Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Today we're going to be talking um, kind of, well, 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 I can't even say what we're going to talk about. It's a surprise. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> joining me uh, to co host is uh, Michael Hawley. Hello again. <laughs> so yeah, so you know when when Michael's here, then we're talking something back when when he was a teenager. So something back in the eighteen hundreds, you know. You're my, you're the same age as me, Al. So we just know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what we what we do all the way from the UK, we have a guest, uh, Andrew Firth, and uh, he's written a book called Ripperland. And now he's got a book called Pictures of the Abyss. Um, uh, welcome, and thank you for, for joining us today. Thanks, George, for having me. Well, well so, um, now, before we get into what, you, what you've just done here, um, what got you into writing books, period, and, and, and this whole subject of uh, the time period and, and what you're doing? Uh, oh, that's, that's a good way to start. Is that, um, I would say that I've, I've always been fascinated by London as I was growing up, because I, I live about 200 miles away from London, um, and so it was always the big city, and I, I became interested in, in the history of it. Um, and I remember when I was probably at 19 or 20, I've just started working, um, a, a colleague of mine bought, bought a magazine, uh, a murder case book, uh, special magazine about Jack the Ripper and he, he brought it into work to show me it had a replica newspaper of, of the Illustrated Police News 
Um, and that got me hooked. It turned out later on I found out that that, that whole thing had been written by Paul Begg, although if, if, if he was ever credited with it, I never saw his name. It, was, uh, it must have been in very small print. So that kind of got me hooked. Um, and so as well as going down to London to meet friends and what have you, I, I also liked to sort of, uh, go wandering the streets and taking photographs. And over the years that sort of developed into um, doing old and new comparisons of um, uh, you know, of street scenes and what have you. And so um, my first book, I mean, it's not really, I wouldn't really call myself an author in, in the sense of, of writing books, because although there are, there is text in my book, uh, in my books, that it's really a case of, um, they are picture coffee table style books, you know, they're, they're, they're mainly visual. Um, but the, the, the base, basically the first book I did um, that was released by Mango a few years ago was Ripperland, and that's concentrating on um, the Jack the Ripper related locations of Whitechapel and Spitalfields. And so this new book, Pictures of the Abyss, is still looking at the same area, although maybe with a bit, a bit of a wider vision because it takes in more of the East End. And it's looking at the, uh, the locations visited by the American author Jack London in 1902 when he was uh, doing his, uh, when he was writing, researching his um, people of the Abyss. And so that's what it's, it's all about, really. Hmm. I, I was going to say too, like when you um, when you go through these pictures and you take these pictures, and and um, I think that it it really shows how life was back then <clears throat> in the early early twentieth century. Because I, I think quite often people are so distance away that they don't really know what it would be like to live in London in those times. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, one thing that I always uh, strikes me is when you're reading a book about history or crime, um, they're not very visual. These books, they, they tend to be obviously heavy, heavy on on text, and so you're left um, sort of not really being able to picture in your own mind how things were and how things looked. Um, and so what I do is I, I merge the old photographs, in this case from 1902, with uh, modern-day photographs taken from the same viewpoints. So you can see the contrast and, and you can see what remains. I mean, some, sometimes the scene's relatively unchanged. You know, the, the buildings are still there, but in other, in other cases, things have changed dramatically. So it's sort of a, a way of documenting visual history, if you like. Andrew, this is uh, Mike. The when I looked at your those pictures, the the exciting thing about it is when you merge those, mm-hmm. uh, you have to, you matching it up. They're ma- you're matching it up to 1902, which is a few years after the uh, Whitechapel murders, but it's really around that time. And yeah. there's so much change, um, but you could see the sidewalks and buildings sometimes were the same. Did you have difficulty finding those spots? Well, that, that's really what the, the, the whole people of, uh, sorry, Pictures of the Abyss project has been about because, and p- people have seen those photographs in, 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 in the various reprints of, of Jack London's book. Um, but, and, and they've been used in, in Ripper books as well because they're, they're covering the same area. But a lot of the photographs are just captioned, say, for example, a house to let or um, the, the, the Jewish ghetto, something like that, or the ghetto market. And there's, there's no speci- specific um, details as to where those photographs were taken. So every single photograph, I've had to do a lot of research to work out, first of all, the location um, and the direction that, that Jack London was facing when he took the photographs. Because 
you know, he actually took the photographs himself once he'd done his, his um, investigative uh, journalism side of actually writing the book. Um, but to actually get the exact locations has been quite difficult, and I've had to refer to uh, street directories and old maps and things like that. So basically, it's it, it's been a lot of a lot of fun. It's been it's been very enjoyable because um, it's like solving a puzzle every time. You know, you, you get this strange street scene. Uh, that Jack London took, and, and just by looking at, say, for example, the way uh, that the sun casts shadow, you know, the buildings cast shadows on the streets, right. um, you can tell which direction it's taken, and maybe there's a, a small business sign on a, on, a, on a shop or something, and you can check the street directories to find out where where that was. Um, so it's been very rewarding, uh, and then when you actually go to the location in modern day. I mean, I, I've been stunned to, to, to go there and go, oh, yes, there we are. There, there it is. Even if all the buildings are changed, the actual, the actual viewpoint is, is the same. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's quite quite easy to see, um, but it right. is the same location. So, what's, yes, but it's what's been it, enjoyed. What's interesting is uh, how I uh, found out about Jack London, and it's, it, to me it's still amazing because every time I hear Jack London, it, it sounds like he's from London, but he's an American. <laughs> Yes, yeah. <laughs> but he's taking photographs in London, and then uh, there's this famous uh, Dorset Street photograph. That's where I got uh, heard about Jack London. Is it true that he did not take that photo? I don't think he did, um, because uh, I mean, recent recent years, other photos of Dorset Street have uh, have surfaced, um, which clearly look as though they were taken on the same day. The, the, you know, the the vehicles on Dorset Street are, are in the same place and everything. And as far as I can tell, when, when you look at the photograph itself and compare it with the other photos that Jack London took, it, it's a different style of photograph altogether. Um, oh, and okay. I, I've read that it's from about 1895, so it's a lot more contemporary with, with uh, Jack the Ripper. Um, and I think what it was, I mean, if you think about it, if you're if you're somebody who's, who's done this uh, this project of Going underground and living, you know, living with poor people in, in the East End, and you're aware of how how desperate the situation is in, in, in those areas. You're not going to be wandering around, say, for example, the worst street in London, which is Dorset Street, you know, uh, with camera equipment. And so, I think it would have been very, very tempting for him to to use an existing photo, which is what I believe he actually oh, did. Yeah, yeah. But most most of the photographs, most of the I, I did indeed. That, that, in fact, I, I did. I, I used that photo in in Rippleland. There are some of the photos from Jacqueline's oh. which we used in photo montages in, in Rippleland. And what I've done is I've, I've included them again in this new book, but I've reworked them so that they're different. They, they use different modern day photographs, uh, and they're, 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 they're sort of merged together in different ways. So people who bought Rippleland aren't going to feel cheated that they've got the same scene again, <laughs> sort of thing. Oh, yeah, right. Yes, I mean, basically, if I've been able to identify the location from Jack London's photographs, then it's in the book. Um, the one or two that eluded me, which I, I didn't find, but uh, the majority I have found, so, yeah. Uh, speaking of Jack London, it sounds like you had to get into him a little bit. Did he get uh, any kind of advice from anyone to know where to go, to his location? Well, that's, that, that's the part of the story of the, of the people of, of the abyss, because... Um, Jack London talks about how he's looking for advice on going to the East End, and he famously goes to the um, the offices of Thomas Cook, the travel agents, on Cheapside, which is a, a street in the city of London. And they were famously they, were, they commented that they were unable to help him because nobody asked 
no, nobody ever asked for advice on going to the East End, despite the fact it was only a couple of miles away. Um, and they, uh, they, they they could take you to, you know, Peru and 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 the, the you know African Africa and various exotic places, but they couldn't take you a few miles away because there was never any demand to go to the East End. And in the end, he, he sought out um, advice from the police, which uh, led him to speaking to uh, Sergeant William Thick, who, of course, everyone knows. Oh, Johnny Thicke, Upright. Johnny, Johnny Upright. Upright. So um, Jack London actually visited Johnny Upright at, at his home. Uh, really? He was, he was li- living in the East End. And that's one of the things in the book, actually. Um, myself and um, Mark Ripper, who goes under the author name of M.W. Aldrich, uh, we've managed to trace um, a photograph that, that shows um, Johnny Upright's home, uh, where, where Jack London um, actually visited him uh, to seek advice. So uh, that's one of the little uh, one of the little surprises for people when when they get the book. So. <laughs> right, that's exciting because the people that do research for Jack Ripper, uh, uh, Sergeant Thick was the one that arrested John Pizer, who was the leather apron, and that's a that's right. significant part of the story. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it is. It's uh, it, it, it's one of the, the more well-known characters in, in the Ripper story, um, and it's nice that there's a, a crossover um, to the, the Jack London story. I mean, if, if you do a, a text search on, on through the whole of Jack London's book, uh, you'll only find Jack the Ripper mentioned once. Um, so oh. it's not about Jack the Ripper, but he, he, of course there is that this big crossover with. Um, with having uh, Sergeant Thick in the uh, in the story, as it were. So, and his, his description of Sergeant Thick is, is, is quite quite a joy to read as well. But it's, it's well worth uh, seeking out a copy of Jack London's book, if only for that. You know, it's interesting. So, what's what's exciting about what you're doing, Andrew, with these pictorial representations is when you look at the Ripperology world, you have these experts such as Paul Baggage you spoke about and others. And that uh, then there's experts that were, are working on specific suspects, specific victims, or the victims themselves. It kind of it helps with the bigger picture, the uh, kind of the uh, the uh, um, uh, the whole story itself. And so now, with all that expertise, I'm sure you probably are involved with the East End Conference. Yes, I'm one of the organizers of the East End Conference. Yes. Oh, okay. And did you do uh, packets for them as well with the photos, or I, I do I, I do all the, uh, the the graphics and the, the design and, and layouts of the, of the of the booklets that the delegates get. Um, so when you, when you see a poster for the East End Conference, that's that's my design work. Is that? Oh, okay, great. Um, and so some, sometimes I will do um, a photo montage of a location in the East End just for the delegates. Booklet. You know, it's sort of a uh, a thing that I still enjoy doing. Although I have to be I have to be fair that. It's fair to say that um, you know I'm, I'm running out of, of old photographs that can be used. You know, <laughs> so, um, I've, I've done most of them really, certainly in, in the Ripple world, which is one of the reasons why I moved on to, to Jack London because there were so many photographs that hadn't been identified as to where they were. So it was nice to find those. You know. Right? Is there still more? Um, not at the moment. I, in fact, I, I've <laughs> been thinking about this. What's you know? I've been asked by other people, what's my um, next project, and I haven't a clue. I really don't know. I mean, this is the thing. It, it may just be a, pho- a photography type project. It may not have any montages in it, but um, you, you've got to have the actual photographs, and a lot of them are, um, uh, are held by 
various libraries and archives who, who will charge you uh, quite a lot of money to, to use them in, in, in books. I mean, the, the, the picture of um, that includes Sergeant Thick's house uh, was held by the Tower Hamlets Library, and they charged me fifty pounds to, to to use that one photograph, you know, in, in the books. Oh my gosh! Uh, so if you were to do a book full of of one, ones that were held in archives, it would be a very expensive. Um, sort of um, outlay for, for something that is of, of niche interest, really. So uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm sure there will be another project in the future, but it, it really depends on me uh, finding uh, photographs that are um, either out of copyright or, 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 or whom the copyright owner will grant me the permission to use them. So. Right. One of the uh, exciting things that I try to do is uh, when most of Tumbledy's life is in Canada, to the United States, and then... Uh, and I find out that every single building, almost every building is already raised. So nothing, yes. is, very little is around. And uh, so, but it's exciting to find the spot. Now, did you, did that happen a few times? It did. I mean, there is, there's one photograph which immediately springs to mind. It's, um, uh, it, it's a view in Wapping. Now, Wapping is just south of the area Whitechapel and Spitalfields. Uh, but th this photograph shows this rather ramshackle line of buildings. There are people out on the streets, um, gas lamps and everything, and it just says, it's just captioned, a view in Wapping. And that's that's all Jack London tells us. So the, the, there was a lot of work involved to actually um, trace where that was. And, and the one clue to it in the photograph was if you look very carefully at the very, in the very distance on the horizon, is the um, the church tower of uh, St George in the East, which uh, obviously Ripley students know as, as being where the mortuary was, where Elizabeth's stride was taken. And so I, I then went looking for all the streets in in in, in Wapping, in, in in modern day Wapping, that pointed in the direction of St George in the East. And eventually wow. I found the street, but it was only when I when I finally got there to the actual location to take the modern day shot, and I turned around to face the direction of St. George and East, and I just went, wow, that's it. There are none of the original buildings <laughs> there, but you could still see the, the, the church tower in the distance, and you could see oh, the, the, end, the end wall of one building, uh, an old school that was built in the 1850s that still stood, and it matched exactly. So that, that was a real sort of thrill to, to, to find that out. So, uh, yeah, that was good. Uh, a question about, and I, I always forget, uh, I mean, I get into detail too much, and I forget the the audience might not. But that East End Conference, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, well, it, it's basically a, a gathering in in London, and it's it's basically um, a, a kind of a, it's a Ripper themed conference. Um, we have a, a quite a few talks on, on Jack the Ripper, but because we're the East End Conference, we can also have other other talks as well about other East End. Um, themed, you know, uh, topics, so anything to do with East End history, really, but it's it's held over, over a weekend, um, we have um, three or four talks on, on, on the Saturday and three or four on, on the Sunday, um, we, uh, we usually uh, also um, do it in, in conjunction with the Whitechapel Society, so they will host something in the evening on the Saturday um, as well, so, you know, and, and delegates can get in, into their meeting for free. Um, and, and, and I, I, I tend to on the Friday night for anybody who com, comes to London on the um, on the day before. Um, we, we have a, a walk around um, Whitechapel or Spitalfields in the evening, 
and people can take uh, night photos and then if they want to they can enter them into a photo competition that we hold uh, where people will vote on on what their favorite photograph is now obviously we should have been we should have been holding a conference um next month um uh well in, in october and we've had to postpone it until uh late spring next year simply because of, of course of, of, of the, the COVID uh, restrictions that right. so we're all we're all currently under so um so next year's next year's conference will be early it'll be it'll be in april but effectively will be the speakers that we have, have lined up for this uh, this conference okay right so yes that's uh now the the you said the first book pictorial book was ripperland and yeah. that now that was just recently published as well is that am i correct with that that was published in 2017 but because what happens is that they that there have been various print runs of it and oh, okay. um when when the book sells out people are saying saying you know how do i get a copy of this um and so when when the demands there um my publisher um adam wood mango books uh will 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 set it set the, the wheels in motion on, on printing a new print run now at the present time ripperland is out of print again um it, it it does tend to sell very well when when a new print run is, is done um, but we are planning on reprinting it again because we're expecting Good. people. Who, who I'm waiting up, for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would expect maybe a month or two after after this first print run of um, Pictures of the Abyss is complete, we'll, we'll do another print run of, of Rippleland, um, okay. which will be available from the Mango Books website. You'll um, eventually but, have it. Uh, will uh, will you? I think Rippleland though, you can uh, get it uh, an ebook. Uh, yes, Amazon, it, maybe? It, it is. It is available on on Amazon uh, as as a Kindle version. Um, okay. Now, obviously, that that's fine. If you, it is designed as a coffee table book, it's it's really just a compromise for those people who 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 don't want to wait for the next print run. But obviously, it's worth mentioning that you need to be viewing it on a monitor screen or a yeah, at very least an iPad. Don't try and view it on on, on, a, on an iPhone or whatever because it's just not going to look good at all. It's, right. You know, it's, right. <laughs> It's, it's designed and, to be viewed at, at um, uh, sort of, you know, standard paper size, A4 size. So um, it's, you know, sort of, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, a compromise is the electronic version. But it is a, that's available in perpetuity, is that? So I can see you as uh, as such a photographer that that part of it is kind of probably, you prefer the paperback anyway, so, so you can see these photos. Yes, the, the 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 paper copy is 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 what what it was intended for, and I resisted getting a Kindle version done um, for quite a few years. Um, but what I uh, effectively because of the um, uh, because of the fact that it was difficult to get the book printed um, during the lockdown period, uh, we thought, well, let's do an ebook version just as a, as a sort of a stopgap, really. So, yeah. But that's always available if anybody wants it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, how did you get to know Jack London, and and maybe uh, who who more, in more detail on who Jack London uh, was that you would well, use? Yeah, I mean to be honest, I I I heard of Jack London probably the same way that you did. Um, you know, a lot of Jack the Ripper books are illustrated, obviously with the famous picture of Dorset Street, but with 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 certain other ones. Um, I was trying to think of one that. Uh, um, you know, the, any any of the any of the photographs that, that illustrate the, the poverty right. in the area quite often find find the way into Ripper books, and of course that then I've picked up on this this, this person Jack London. So 
a bit of an online search, and it turns out he was you know, one of the leading authors of his day. Um, he, he wrote many, many fiction titles. Um, it was very popular, and, and, and continues to be to, to this day. I mean, there's even a Jack London Facebook group. You know, he's, he, he is, he's a popular author to this day. Um, but I, I was quite surprised, really, to find that he'd written so much, and it, not all of it was fiction. Some of it was, was non-fiction, which, of course, includes... Uh, the people of the abyss, um, but rather tragically, I mean, he was 26 when he, he investigated and wrote the people of the abyss, and he only lived to the age of 40. He died in 1916, which is a particularly okay. young age, really. So, um, that, but that's how I discovered him anyway. That you know, literally through the through the Ripper connection and, and seeing this name, Jack London. So I thought, well, who is he? You know, and then it turns out that these because this the, these photographs. And the book itself is, is well, well out of copyright. Anybody can, can republish it. Uh, and of course that gave me free reign to, uh, to do as I, I wanted with the, with the photographs as well. So I'll you had, find... you did, you, you did not need permission then, special permission for those photos? Not at all. And in actual, in actual fact, most of the photographs are, are held as very, very high resolution scans because Jack London mounted his photographs in albums and they're held at the Jack London archives. Um, somewhere in the United States, but they're freely available online, and, and you can, as long as you, you um, attribute where you've got, taken the photos from, then you're free to right. use them. So I've had access to some very, very um, clear um, versions of the photographs, and they're a lot clearer than, than normally gets reproduced in, in, in books, because obviously, with, with, with book printing technology over the years, photographs have been made up of, of tiny little dots, and so you've not really had. Um, the best quality, whereas, of course, now with our, our digital printing that we have, um, the, the photographs are, are probably the clearest they've ever been seen. And in addition to that, there are also photographs in, in, in these albums held in the archives that never made it into the book, but they're clearly of these then, and I've been able to identify where a few of those are. So, you know, Pictures of the Abyss actually has photographs that, did, that were taken by Jack London and weren't used in the book, so that's kind of an, an added bonus for it. I'm curious that here it is. Here's Jack London in the East End with an American accent. I wonder if that uh, was was an issue for him. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, he he says in 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 People of the Abyss that um, his cover story when when he went down to ground was that he was a uh, an American sailor who landed at the um, uh, oh, really? the dock <laughs> in the East End. Yeah, and he and he lost all his money and was down and out and and, and was was desperately trying to um, to, to 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 get. To, to, to get the money together to, to secure his passage back to back to the United States. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So that was his cover story. Um... And in fact, uh, on, on, on one, I forget, I think, I think it, he met up with a couple of other um, da- down-and-out people who, who were making their way to the popular workhouse, and they, they were walking up Myland Road, and, and they were saying to him, you know, you're young, you, you're, you're a strong man, you need to take this opportunity to, to get yourself out of here and get back, you know, get back onto a, onto a ship and, and work your passage back to, to America, because oh, there's, really? nothing for you, there's nothing for you here in the East End, you know. Um, of course, they, they want to know that he was actually a, a journalist um, in um, sort of doing what we would now call investigative journalism. You know, it's um, it, it's, it's quite strange. But yeah, he 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 was that was his cover story. Really, he was a, a sailor from America down on his luck. Now you are not from London, and no. and uh, w- so how are you familiar with all these locations that you could just walk? It just uh, you just because you've been there so much. Yes, just because I've been there so much, um, I'm fascinated by maps. And it, it, it's, for example, with the Jack Ripper case, for me, it's the locations, it's the streets and the buildings. That's what fascinates me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to read about suspect theories and, um, you know, police investigation techniques. But for me, it's the actual locations, which is which ties in nicely with my my uh, sort of passion for photography and things. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I've always liked London, and it's my favourite place to go. You know, some some people are quite happy, you know, going to tropical islands for ho- on holiday and things. But for me, if I can get a few days in London and go wandering the streets, that's that's when I'm happiest. Really, I have a lot of friends down in London now, so it's um, it's nice to meet up with them and, and 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 talk over the case and things like that. So yeah, it's it's good. But that's 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 basically how familiarity has just come with me going there so much and. Uh, Obviously, um, taking photos and, and tracking the, the changes that have taken place to the area over the, the time I've been going, which now is about 25 years. So, yeah. Right. right. So it's interesting because Stuart Evans hates to go to London. He likes to stay home. And then I think Paul Begno is no longer in that area either. <laughs> so. No, that, 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 that's it. I mean, some, some people like it, some people don't. Um, you know, but I, to, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm just. I, I live in a semi, semi-rural area in, in Yorkshire, um, and it's nice to get to the city and, and, and get, a, get a fix of, of London every now and again. It's uh, you know I, I do like it. So. <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, be, I live in New York, the state of New York, which is huge, but the city of New York mm-hmm. is just on the east side. So I'm, I live eight hours away, but still, people yeah. around here like to visit New York City, but would not like to live there. <laughs> 
No, I mean, I, 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 I've just been to, to New York once, New York City once, and I, I could understand that it's a, it's a hectic mesh of streets and everything, but um, very exciting. You know, it's something that you can, somewhere you can dip in and out of as you like, really, which is, as I say, for London, really. It's uh, a different kind of city as London, but it's still, it's still one of those places that, you know, it's, it's exciting to go to and wander around. Right. Mm. Now, so what do you, I was going to say, what do, you, what do you think, Jack, London wanted people to get out of his book? I, I think really it's, it's, it's a little bit more like, um, I think he wanted to expose the fact that at the time, you know, the, um, England, the, the, the United Kingdom uh, was, you know, it was the British Empire. Uh, it was, it was the, the, the biggest empire in the world. And um, we, 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 we British people like, like to make out that we were a proud country and all the rest of it. But that behind the scenes, you know, you, you could go to all these grand uh, places in, in London and, and, and not see the poor you, and not see all the, all the squalor, but it was there, um, you know. And I think he wanted to expose that. I think that's really what he was, he was looking at. Um, and it was, it was so, I mean, literally, you know, the areas he went to, um, uh, which are Whitechapel, Spitalfields, Wapping, Bethnal Green, they're all within half an hour's walking distance of, of the city of London, which in itself is, a, a, is where the money's made. You know, it's, even today it's one of the, the world's leading financial centres. Uh, and yet, just on the doorstep is all this property. So I think he, that was his main, his main sort of, um, sort, sort of um, aim was to, was to to expose that this, this sort of thing went on. You know, these these people were living a hand to mouth existence, um, and in many ways it, uh, that situation hadn't changed since since the time of Jack the Ripper. So you know, we're now we're now out of the Victorian era in, 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 into the Edwardian era, and, and this this kind of thing is still going on. Um, I'm not sure why he chose uh, London because he could, he could he could possibly have chosen somewhere in the United States, but maybe maybe it wasn't quite as prevalent in the in the United States. I don't know. Um, mm. Hard to say, really. <laughs> well, and so probably so, his last name. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, so <laughs> yeah, your changing of this, like your your perception of it, and your redoing of uh, of a lot of the photos. What is it mm. that you um, are are wanting people to get? When they see the book and 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 go through it, um, I suppose really it's it, it's to illustrate how things have changed. So, um, I mean, a lot of the, the locations that Jack London took photos of were very deprived. The the buildings were ramshackle and and rightly so that they've been demolished. I mean, I, I don't think that they would have, have, have stood up that long anyway. I mean, certainly the the street I mentioned in Wapping um, was all completely demolished a couple of years after Jack London visited. And, and the buildings, there are some old buildings that are, are on that street now that were, were built in 1905, you know, so it's, <laughs> think things were changing r- rapidly. But I think my, my, my sort of idea is that, I mean, if people want to go and visit these locations, they can, they can see how the old photograph fits into the modern day scene if they've got, got my book. Um, and I think, what fascinates me is it's incredible when, because so, so much of it's been swept away, to suddenly find a building that's still there and hasn't been altered. You know, it survived two world wars um, and, and, and years and years of, of, of threats from developers and what have you, and you still find that some buildings are, are standing proud. And it's quite reassuring, in a sense, from a historical point of view, that some things you know, still continue to uh, 
that still, still continue to survive. So I suppose that's really what it is. It's, it's a case of what's still there and what's, what isn't there anymore. It's, it's really showing that in a visual way. So the, uh, the pictures of the abyss, I'm sure if you have these photographs, do you have some kind of map that kind of matches, uh, puts it all in one picture kind of? Well, what, what, what I've, I've done is each location has a small excerpt on each page um, showing where, showing the location of the photograph. It's a, you know, from, from the Ordnance Survey uh, maps. Um, and I've marked it with a um, little, little red pin with an arrow. So basically it shows where Jack London was stood and which direction he's facing in on the map. Um, so you can, you can work it out. Now, obviously, these, these maps are, are only little maps in, in the corner of each page. So what I've done is at the end of the book, uh, where the index is, I've also done a, a, a London-wide map uh, that spans two pages, which shows the, the page numbers. So you can see which part of London it's in, as well as the local area where, where the photo was taken. Um, so, it, so basically, there's, a, there's effectively a, a pictorial index at the back of the book showing you where everything is, you know. Yeah. So you could use this not only at the coffee table, but when you visit London, you could bring this with you. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's you could you could use it as a guide, um, or you or you could you could possibly uh, you know um, refer to it before you came and then and then seek out some of the sites. But uh, yeah, it, that, that's that's really sort of part of what it's all about. Too. What part of my intention is that people can can look at these places through fresh eyes because you may you may have walked past. I mean, some of the locations that. that uh, Jack London took photos at. Um, many many people um, people into the Jack the Ripper case will walk past many times and not realise that that's where where a photo was taken. I mean, there's a there is a, a photograph that's, that's captioned a house to let, and although it's difficult to see where it was taken, it turns out it's literally just north of Spitalfields Market, um, which obviously oh, okay. is a, a stone's throw away from from the Ten Bells and, and Dorset Street. So. You know, it's, it, 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 it will give people new things to look out for when they visit uh, London for their usual Jack the Ripper fix, if you like. So. Right. Although Don Rumbelow, who was an expert, uh, he's since retired, he would be sitting in the Ten Bells Club and you could get his, uh, uh, his uh, signature. So are you going to be there, Andrew, when I go there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends when you go. I mean, I, I, I have I've not been to London since uh, New Year. Uh, and in fact, New Year was when I was taking the last photographs of the book, and I'm so glad that I, I managed to get all the photographs done uh, at, at New Year because obviously, very shortly after we we went into lockdown. Um, right. But next week, I am uh, I am actually going to London for the first time in eight months, so it can be nice just to have a, a bit of a wander and, and and take some new photographs. Not not for any particular purpose, just just because it's nice to to go back and and wander around. But um, Normally, I'm, I'm usually there about seven or eight times a year, even though I live, you know, several hundred miles away. Um, that's it's my right. favorite place to go to. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. Al, did you have a question? No, that wasn't me. Oh, okay. So, uh, the question, um, how about the Ten Bells Club? Do you have a photograph of that one? or? Uh, now then, the, 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 the Ten Bells Public House is actually... Um, it appears in a couple of, of montages because what happened, what, what Jack London actually found, uh, one uh, one location where he found people sleeping rough was the famous Itchy Park. 
uh, and some of the photographs that feature in Indrak London's book and some of the unpublished photographs were taken around the steps of Christchurch. Uh, and in the background of, of, of one of them, you can see um, the, the ten bells and also the, um, the pawnbrokers where, um, that uh, Republic and Catherine Eddowes visited. Um, so the, the, it does feature, but not particularly heavily, I wouldn't say. I mean, the, the, the focus isn't on the, um, you know, the ten bells itself as such in this book. Um, obviously, it, fe- it features in Rippleland, but that's, uh, that's a different, uh, different focus, really. <coughs> was was there a favorite uh, location, or do you have multiple favorites that uh, you have when you were doing this? Yeah, I, I probably have, have, have multiple favorites, but ones that have, have been really hard to work out where they were. And when when the eureka moment came, it was like, oh my goodness, I, you know, there it is. That's I managed to ma- match up this photograph. Can't wait to get this sort of thing. Um, I'm trying to think really. There, there is one particular location that was very challenging was. Um, there is, there is a photograph in Jack London's book that just says a view in Hoxton. Um, and that was very hard to, to, to find because my, my, my knowledge of Hoxton, which is north of, of Shoreditch and, and Spitalfields and Whitechapel, uh, my knowledge of that area is, is very poor. Um, but I, I managed to find it through, through one tantalizingly small sign on a, on a building, which was um, a business name, and eventually I traced where it was. And so when, when I went to it, the streets were still in the same layout and everything, but obviously all the buildings have changed. Um, but I think that that was that's probably one of my favourites as well, because and also it matches up so well. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's probably one of my favourites. You know the uh, Mango Books with Adam Wood. Uh, Al and I we interviewed Adam and I had a great yeah. interview with him. And uh, so with that. It automatically went to pretty much the Ripper world, and so you and so we are eating this up. But uh, sounds to me like this would be even exciting for others because it really does have a historical. It's like a pictorial history of that East End. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, I think the the um, um, I'm loath to call it a customer base, but yeah, the the the, the, the sort of the cap. The, the captive audience, if you like, is not at this time isn't just ripperologists. It's um, it's people people who are interested in social history, uh, the East End of London, or, or just London in general. You know, it's um, and of course pe- people are fans of Jack London because this effectively is like a, a visualization of his book. It, it doesn't repeat the entire book; it quotes from it. Um, but if you've if you've got Jack London's book, uh, then my book is effectively like a a visual documentation of the locations that, that he refers to and mentions. Um, and I've, I've, I've thrown a few other, other locations in there that are of interest, that, um, things that were built in 1902 when Jack London uh, was, uh, was, was staying in that area, um, just to, to give a more complete picture of the area. So, yeah, it, it, it's, um, that, that's, that's really what I'm aiming at. It's, it's a companion um, piece rather than you know, a complete retelling of the story. It's it's more sort of a, a visualization of of, of of what Jack London experienced at the time. Right, right. And then, uh, so you you were saying that you don't really know uh, where you want to uh, go from here, but do yeah. you want to go uh, through photograph though, still like you've been doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really consider myself as a, a, an author as such. I, I have to force myself to write things. I, you know, 
Um, I mean, I was always told at school my, my command of English was excellent and my writing was good, but I never really enjoyed the process. Um, but when it comes to visual things, um, I absolutely love it. I, I can lose myself, uh, you know, for a whole day working on things in Photoshop, and uh, I absolutely love it. And, and with with uh, people uh, with pictures of the abyss, the, the you know it's, it's involved a lot more research than Ripplein did because Ripplein just knew where everything was. So um, pictures of the abyss has been a, a really fun thing to do. It's been there's been a lot of revelations. Um, I mean, like for example, a lot of the captions in Jack London's book were incorrect. So you know, there's a oh, really? yeah. I mean, there's there's one picture that shows a row of buildings and it says the Mile End Road, um, and it turns out it's not the Mile End Road; it's Whitechapel Road. You know, which is an easy mistake to make because the two lead on from each other. But um, you know, I was able, able to sort of pinpoint that, that that was an error. So yeah, little things like that. So. <laughs> So do you think this is going would, – would, would any of these pictures help in the Jack the Ripper crime itself or maybe other crimes that were going on because that wasn't the only one? Um, when you say help, how do you mean? Well, just, just showing the area and showing um, detail of, of different parts of, of the East End because uh, there was a lot of – it was a very crime-ridden area, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It was it – was, um, you know, very dangerous place. To, I mean, people talk about Dorset Street being dangerous, but every street had its had its um, you know hidey holes and, and and what have you. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the the thing the thing that sort of becomes apparent when you see the photographs that Jack London took uh, is that he, he when he was taking photographs, he he stuck to the main roads, the, the main sort of thoroughfares. Um, uh, he, he didn't go into into very very narrow alleyways. Um, it, it, he basically he, play, he played it safe. Um, so there, there are a lot of areas that I'm sure were crime-ridden that, that, that Jack London chose not to take photographs of. I didn't even venture to. But you can see that on, on the, you know, the the shop fronts of the main streets, like Commercial Street um, and uh, Whitechapel High Street, they, they have you know they're, they're, they're respectable. They're, they're perfectly. It's a little bit like um, Booth's poverty map. You look at that and. You've got uh, the, the, the businesses facing onto the main roads being very respectable, but then you've got your, your um, criminal classes um, coloured black on, on Booth's poverty map in, in the back alleyways and streets. And I think that they were the areas that Jack London probably avoided for, for safety's sake. So you, you're not going to get very, very um, sort of uh, visual representations of, of crime and, 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 and uh, deprivation, but it's... There, there is some, uh, there is some hint at it in the photographs that Jack London took. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. The, uh, uh, just now, do you have a website or something that people can come find you on or, or locate you? Uh, it's not a website as such, but I, I do have a, a page on Facebook which is just called Ripperland. Um, and there are there's some examples of the photo montages from both pictures of the abyss and Ripperland on there. So um, there, there's a page there. Um, and also, I, I may as well take this opportunity to plug, there's a Facebook group that's, that I run uh, called uh, the Jack the Ripper Photography Group. So if anybody wants to, do, to search that one out, um, that, that basically is where people can share photographs both old and new of, uh, of the Whitechapel and Spitalfields area. So that may be of interest to people both from a Jack London and a Jack the Ripper perspective. So uh, go check that one out. Yeah. And, and where, where will they be able to get the, the new book? 
Well, the new book is, is, is basically being, uh, at the moment, we're taking pre-orders. Um, although I think by the time the, the, the show goes out, the, the, the pre-orders will have closed. But there, there will be some copies left. But um, it, it's basically, you can order the book from uh, mangobooks.co.uk. Um, it's possible it may be available through Amazon at a later date. Um, but as it stands, that's the place to, to, to go to at the moment. So it's mangobooks.co.uk. Um, and pre, pre-orders um, are, are numbered and signed by me, and then there'll be some copies left over afterwards. But if, if, you, if you do want a copy and, and, and you like what you see on the uh, Rippleland Facebook page, then uh, don't delay, because apparently, uh, according to my, my publisher, Adam, uh, you know, these things just, you know, they go very quickly. So, And it's not, not, a, not a cheap book to, to print either. It's quite expensive, so it tends to be done in limited, limited runs, so... If you want a copy, go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And Ripperland as well. That's uh, that. that uh, you should. I recommend that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, Ripperland, as I say, is out of print at the moment, but we we will be running another print run of that um, probably in the next month or two. I mean, um, that that's really up to to Adam uh, when when he does that. But um, obviously, we'll be making announcements on the on the Ripperland page and on various other Jack the Ripper uh, Facebook groups. When that uh, when that goes live again, and people can pre-order a copy of that, yeah. On your Ripperland book, um, what was the purpose behind that for you? Like, what is it? It's, it's different than this. So, um, what what did you want people to get out of that? Um, well, it's still the, still the same kind of thing of, of, of you know, look at this, look 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 how how things have changed over the years, um, because. A lot of people, I think really the, the angle I was taking with Ripperland, uh, and I mentioned this in the introduction, is that um, when, when Ripper tour groups take their customers around the Ripper sites, there's not really much to see. I mean, p- people walk into Mitre Square, and the, apart from the, the sort of the, or even the footprints change now of the actual square, but there's not a great deal to see, and you've really got to use your imagination. But by, by pasting the old photographs, in, in, into in, into the, the modern day scenes, you can sort of then imagine where things used to be. Um, but certainly, I mean, you've got um, Duckfield's Yard, the Elizabeth Stride's murder site. That's com- that went in 1909. That was that was completely swept away. Um, you know, 29 Hambridge Streets underneath um, uh, a, a brewery building now, or, or the site of it is. Um, what else have we got? Dorset Street, of course. Long, long ago, swept away. Um, and it's now under a, sort of a complex of offices. Um, so there's not a lot to see, really. I mean, there are plenty of, of, of the old buildings, but um, the actual murder sites themselves have, have been swept away. Really, the only one that's sort of tangibly still there, apart from Mitre Square, is um, is Bucks Row behind Whitechapel Tube Station. And even that's been closed off for the past six years because they're, they're uh, rebuilding the station for a brand new, um, a brand new railway line, the, the Crossrail or the Elizabeth Line, as it's now called. So I suppose really it, it's a case of if you're going around the, the sites, then have a look at my book because that should paint a more vivid picture of, of what used to stand in these rather uh, empty or, or rebuilt locations that you see today when you go on the tours. That's, that's really sort of the angle for that. And I noticed that since Bucks Row is a little farther away, a lot of the tours don't include that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they also miss out Duckfield's Yard as well. Yeah, it's, um, yes, it's yes. Shame, but I mean, it, it, it is. It, it's about fifteen minutes walk away. But I, I understand the reasons why tour groups don't include it because 
effectively for, a, for somebody who's paid to go on a tour. They want to be seeing things as they go and to have a really quiet period of 15 minutes while walking up to Bucks Road is probably not the best, the most entertaining way to spend 15 minutes. And also, of course, it right, takes what? people further away from where they've started. So, yeah. And why I would have loved that is because across from the London Hospital, just to the left, uh, a little bit to the left, uh, I discovered that there was this uh, uh, wax museum, uh, Chamber Force Wax Museum going on, where they, the proprietor was, uh, within hours, would have uh, a, uh, a wax display effigy of the the, white, uh, what, the the latest victim. So in the basement, yeah. there were six victim, uh, six uh, of those, including Tabram. And then, yeah. uh, so that was, uh, and that's not the same place as where the uh, Elephant Man was, which I found out, but it was to the left. So I was hoping that uh, Bucks Road would be involved, and then they would kind of go there and say, oh, I know, my colleague found this, but not to be. <laughs> no, no, sadly not, no, but, uh, I mean, certainly when, when they finally finished rebuilding uh, Whitechapel Station, it, 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 you know, there should be schools. You should still be able to walk down Bucks Road or Derwood Street, as it's called today. Uh, you should be okay. able to, to get but at the moment, it's all fenced off, and there are construction workers uh, on, on that point. Well, they should have left all the stains and body parts there. Uh, well, no. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Have a little fun. That's <laughs> fun. Well, well, it's certainly been a pleasure uh, having you on and, and talking about this. I think it's fascinating, uh, the uh, the photos and the whole idea of it capture something that you can never bring get back you know it's gone so mm -hmm. um again our guest has been uh the uh, man that has written or uh, i don't know what you've not written but has done two books um primarily around pictures and uh, uh we're going to have them up on our website so people listening can do one click and pick them up through their website mm -hmm. andrew firth thank you for being here Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.